Hello, everyone. Welcome to 26.1 podcast, where we present the current state of affairs in the AI world from the perspective of a business genius, Don Shu, and a technology, uh, I don't say genius, lover, Brian Ray. And we have now nine episodes we've done in the last two and a half months. And we thought this would be a good opportunity to recap some of those and see what general themes we're ending up with. How's that sound, Don? Let me open with uh, Janetism, uh, where she says, not a girl, not a genius, but I do try to work hard to prepare and be uh, helpful. You are definitely a hard worker, Don, and I'll give that to you. You always go a thousand percent, if that's even possible. Well... (laughs) One thing we could do is we do this chronologically, just go way back to our first episode and uh, and then kind of go through those. And, or, you know, Todd was our first episode. I ran into Todd last week, by the way, at a life event that he throws at, uh, sure. at a tech conference here in LA. Uh, very energetic and probably a good person to start with. I related to Todd because of his connection with community uh, that he's building a community. Mm-hmm. And then you and I have both done that in the past. What was your thoughts on Todd? Well, on community, you and I have both been there. We both know how much work um, it requires to really build a healthy community that gets attention and um, gains an audience. And Todd's done that. So both you and I just intuitively know He's put a lot of work into it, and he's not faking it, right? Right. There's a lot of sympathy. Right, and I'm still waiting for Elon uh, Musk to walk in the door to one of the events. Uh, that didn't I don't I didn't yeah. see him, or he may have been in disguise at the last one. But you know, he and I and you, we need to catch up, the three of us, for our podcast soon. So that didn't happen. Uh, I know Chris Resto, yeah. your friend, knows uh, knows Elon, and uh, uh, we got a response from. Max on. So, you know, that's a future episode, but I thought it was a very good starting episode. And then we went on to a very different tone with the next episode with Rom. Yeah. Well, Elon Musk, um, I, I cold, cold emailed Max Levchin, um, based on his quote, I had read where he had said the most fun he'd ever had was watching Larry Wall and Guido Van Rossum debate each other. And he said the reason why it was the most fun he'd ever had was that they're both really smart, extremely articulate, and see the world completely differently. And that got me started on putting on the fundraiser for CS4ALL, right? And also doing a BDFL retirement gift for Guido. Um, So I emailed Max about that to confirm the quote. And he did. He responded. So um, if he still talks to Elon, maybe I could ask him to introduce us. Yeah, and then actually the next episode wasn't even Ram, it was Avalay. Yeah, I'm going to tie, tie this together. So Avalay, and I, went, I just went to our Apple podcast, which currently has 5.0 stars out of five reviews, and I'm sure we don't even know any of those five. Uh, we didn't even pay them to give those reviews. They did that out of their own kindness of their hearts. Uh and Avalay's on there at September 3rd. Um, and Avalay is, a, you know, was a great person because of his technical connection with doing machine learning, feeling that he was really someone who's 
innovated and added to Azure platform and actually is a practitioner uh, where Todd, I mean, he doesn't, he's not a practitioner, you know, so it was a good contrast is, and I think the message here overall about the roles people play in this ecosystem is it, it not always are you the hands-on keyboard type person to start a community. Um, I mean, Don, I don't know. I know you tinker with open source and Python and have for a very long time. And you were even found in IRC, I think at one point, but you're not like sitting there 40 hours a week writing Python, are you? No, I'm, my interest in tech is one, um, bringing about a better future somehow by contributing towards that and um, supporting engineers and helping them become the best they can. Now, Avale is doesn't need much help from me in terms of engineering. He's one of the best. Um, what his co-founder um, had shared with me about Avale is that Avale just really loves writing code. And he just loves learning about the newest in tech, like he was sharing with us his knowledge in quantum computing. I just feel bad about that episode is we had such a big scoop on the Unity Pass that Avale had, was responsible for launching, and we didn't have a bigger audience for him since it was our second episode. Yeah, and he had, uh, we just had gotten started at that point, and, but it keeps coming back up again that he is creating a platform basically on a game engine, Unity, and, but it's really for synthesizing environments, a really interesting concept that permeates into other areas of AI where, you know, he was really the first person on our uh, second person on the podcast, period, you know, but he's bringing in that and you're right. We didn't have a huge audience then uh, like we do now. And, uh, but, uh, definitely a good talk and followed up by that was Rom. And now Rom's episode, absolutely. He's, that's the episode I forward to people as an example, to be honest with you. And the reason why, yeah, I do. And the reason why is I thought Rom does a fantastic job at explaining the uh, topic area. So he's a good at teaching, you know, and he does write children's books in his free time. So it's not no big surprise. He can, he can create analogies and things like that, that resonate with a lot of different audiences. Well, he's really a great example of data science um, or a data scientist or AI practitioner needs to be a storyteller. And he really has worked on that. And I, I loved learning about the Texas sharpshooter fallacy from him. Um, it just reminded me a lot about my recent reading about Tversky and Kahneman in uh, Michael Lewis's book, Undoing Project, and how they even got started in their breakthrough discoveries that get cited by everybody and resulted in a Nobel Prize for uh, Kahneman. Um, and it's just the stereotypes and, and the biases we have. And that's what we're fighting against, I think, with our podcasts and practicing AI. Absolutely. I believe that it's very easy. And we always bring up that theme of that moving target or creating a target that can't be hit, missed because it, you, you have a self-fulfilling prophecy, if you will, sometimes in AI. And Ram and uh, other folks are cautious of that. Another person who's quite cautious was our next guest, Everett Kearney. And Everett says a lot of different uh, statements regarding, you know, the ecosystem and the culture around technology, 
he's out of Venice Beach. He also brought up some interesting things that about games and generative networks, tying back a little bit to Avalais. But uh, what are your thoughts on how that went? Kind of a drastic shift from Rom to uh, Everett, wouldn't you say? Well, I mean, Everett is still developing his storytelling style, perhaps. Um, I know he's pitching currently for his new startup, and he's, he sounds like he had an exit from a previous one. So he's got some of those aspects in there. But I think just personally, he's working out a lot of his opinions and trying to um, recounsel some of them that sound kind of at odds. I was really excited him explaining about generative adversarial networks and what sort of possibilities that creates for players and their experiences in games. And games are such a big part of the economy now. And it's uh, on mobile games, it's going to surpass all other spend this year, according to App Annie. Yeah, and I visited him last week in his office, and his office is adjacent to Triller, which is this very vibrant social platform. And you got to just picture Everett there. You know, at his desk with his long hair, a really out-of-the-box thinker, someone I really appreciate his thoughts. I don't always agree with him, but I really enjoyed having him on the show, uh, you know, with the games and also blockchain and the ecosystem that he's experienced as he's been in several cities in the U.S. now in Venice. I think that's important you bring up uh, that you don't necessarily agree with all of his opinions, but you want to hear them. You want to hear what's going on and how people are thinking and have a healthy discussion about it. Don't get into pejorative um, mudslinging or anything like that. I mean, crypto is something I looked at really early just because of my obsession with payment networks. Mm -hmm. Um, However, I never kept up with it and I don't really quite understand everything that's going on now. I just know something's going to come out of it because so many people care about it. Yes. And then something else that people just have cared about recently and not just recently, but for a very long time is what's going on with NASA. And I had a very bright candidate I wanted to hire when I was at Deloitte leading their data science team there. And because of our slow moving nature, we missed the boat because he said, I already have a, uh, another offer and I'm moving to California, moving to Pasadena. And Mark Hoffman said, I'm moving to work for NASA. And I said, what do you think you are, like a, a rocket scientist? And he said, well, actually, you know, I'm going to the NASA Jet Proportion Library. <laughs> so uh, he and what he spoke of is very technically uh, founded, you know, lots of machine learning and a lot of interesting concepts, probably too much to talk about in 26.1 minutes. But something I've always appreciated about Mark, similar to Everett, is just this pure passion you know, passion in the topic. Any given Sunday, I'll see Mark take an Instagram of what he's working on. He usually has his laptop open. He's usually programming some Python. So I really enjoyed Mark's enthusiasm, and I thought it was a great interview. What do you think, Don? Yeah, and, oh, shoot. We're, we're banning yeah from our um, podcast. <laughs> That's okay. We, Brian we'll says it. <laughs> just, to, just to prove that you said a yeah, but it's okay. We're, we're trying to reduce our yeahs. <laughs> right. Well, I, I can imagine what your response was when Mark mentioned to you that he joined NASA. Just You've got a little bit of that Chicago reverence for institutions. And as you mentioned during the episode, NASA back in the day was where everybody wanted to work. Um, 
it was great to find out about the variety of problems where um, Mark was applying um, AI at NASA. Also, it's really heartening to know that um, such a uh, great engineering culture is really embracing the latest in software. Absolutely. And they are coming up to age both with, you know, these newer open source techniques instead of developing everything from ground up like they used to, but also it's not like there's a lot of more cultural dimensionality to their workforce, which is nice to hear. It's not all, you know, uh, a certain age bracket, you know, and they're embracing a lot of different cultures, genders, races, and things like that. And I, I find that refreshing to hear because I, you know, I always hope that to be true. And then, you know, well, it's important. It's important, right? Jumping ahead, further episodes, we get more into it, but the whole idea of reproducibility and explainability. Yeah, and then on October 1st, we, we make another shift to someone who's purely focused on making models production-friendly, making a platform for allowing that to happen, uh, and that's Kenny Daniel, you know, Algorithmia founder, and you know Kenny fairly well, it sounds like, and I certainly appreciate someone putting models in production because that's what I do in my day job as well. So what are your thoughts on Kenny? Kenny's super smart. It was one of our densest episodes in terms of um, having actual explanations of the nitty gritty of getting AI working. I think it's a great one for our business leaders to check out. Um, what Algorithmia is doing is very important. Um, However, we just don't know what's going to happen. I believe a lot in Diego and Kenny as founders, and I think they're going to have a good result. Um, he had mentioned during the episode he's not that worried about competitors. I believe you brought up Data Robot, for example, that came off of a monster funding round, even uh, you know orders of magnitude more than uh, Algorithmia raised, and they raised a lot of money. Um, and I think Kenny was being sincere. Oftentimes when founders say we're not worried about the competition, I think they're just kind of bluffing. But in this case, it's such early days. I think that was the biggest thing to come away from that episode. We're so early in all of this. Yeah, and that's it's interesting because the hype curve has a lot of perceptions that, you know, you saw we saw Data Robot. Two episodes after that, we had uh, Rajiv. Raj Shah, who's a data robot scientist on and um, and then but there's also this cultural connection too. we're solving problems in society and I think our next guest after Kenny was Rachel and you and you really talk about Rachel fondly of you know, her innovation and her contribution to the culture and the R ladies programming in Seattle and a lot of other things but her whole PhD is about uh, computational linguistics and, you know, she speaks about the complexity of language and that may be something that we haven't solved yet with natural language processing and machine learning. I found that really true and interesting. So in a way, Kenny's correct in that sense too, is that we aren't there yet, even though a lot of people see this as the pinnacle of the hype there's still a lot of problems to solve. And Rachel displays some of those pretty vividly while she's with her hedgehog in her in the recording studio. Rachel, um, when she's giving her talks, if you ever watch her videos, she speaks so fast. Not only is she speaking fast, she moves a lot. 
And I remember this because I was trying to take a picture of her to tweet out during the first Pi Cascades, and I couldn't get a shot of her. Um, I was also sitting right behind Guido when he tweeted out her quote um, that uh, Python 2, no thank you. He, he was chuckling. He really liked that quote. Rachel, though, coming from a, a doctorate program in linguistics at the University of Washington, brings her sense of collaboration that she's done with her colleagues before in her previous uh, profession. And I think that kind of introduction of, of those varied insights um, is going to be really important. And it really points to the importance of inviting diversity um, particularly in AI as it moves forward. AI and Guido also has spoken. I, I saw him not too long ago in person, and he has quite a fondness of bringing women into the Python Software Foundation and contributors there. Uh, so I think that there's a lot of explicit efforts going on to be inclusive in data science and in programming and in engineering. But then there is just this natural flow to diversification that I, I appreciate both. I appreciate when someone makes an effort to be inclusive, but I also appreciate maybe more in some ways the story of how, and if, you, if, we, if we draw all the way back to the story, you know, story of Ram and other, po other folks and Avalay and their story of how they came up of ages uh, and they had their own struggles to, you know, take the knowledge that they had received and the teachings that they received opportunities they received sometimes overseas in India and other places like that. And they, you know, came to the U S a very vibrant technology scene and they held their own, not only do they hold their own, but they, they made drastic improvements over what's already there. Um, and, you know, I don't know if it was out of necessity in some cases, but I think one theme that we talk about a lot is what, drives this passion that we have for this topic matter. Ooh, sounds like we're veering into talking about how immigration feeds our AI progress and how important it is to invite the best and brightest minds like Ram and Avale to the United States. Yeah, and Raj is another one, you know, uh, data, data robot, data scientist. And you just mentioned that they got 200 million seed recently and in the last week databricks another platform that has some tie back to ai and machine learning had it received twice as much and you know so there's certainly not just support in the community for a diverse way of thinking to solve the ai problems but people are putting their wallets forward too and saying i'm not only going to support this innovation with my word and my promoting these scientists. And in, in some cases like Raj, the Gates Foundation, Lyndon Gates, Bill Gates Foundation, uh, I'm going to support it with my wallet and I'm going to invest in it uh, very heavily. And we didn't make that a focus on our next interview on October 15th with Raj, but what we did hear a lot about is his perspective of, you know, where the innovation marries the business objective. Once again, we bring that theme back up to there is we have this huge amount of investment 
It's going into the space. We have a huge amount of talent coming from a global perspective coming into the space. But we also have these despair uh, businesses with goals of their own. Um, and I think that's been a huge theme all along is how these three factors of so this three-legged stool play together. But Raj brings that in. And what was your thoughts on Raj? Well, before I get into my thoughts about Raj, um, you brought up Databricks and you published a uh, blog post, I believe, asking if um, Netflix open sourcing their project puts Databricks out of business. I didn't read it. So what, what's the conclusion? <laughs> Polynote. Yeah, you should read my blog, Don. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, it's called Polynote. And I was quite surprised by it because it's yet another Jupyter notebook-like feeling uh, environment for building data science, particularly it's, uh, it supports Spark on the, uh, you know, because of the support of Scala language on the JVM, which takes a different backend than your Jupyter notebook. And my, my conclusion is it's not going to impact Databricks very much, uh, initially, but it is open source. And it's probably not going to impact Jupyter Notebooks too heavily initially. It was done by a very small team at Netflix, apparently. Um, and I did find some bugs in it, and I posted those on, on there as well. But what I find interesting is that dissatisfaction or the need that someone finds to rewrite something and make it better and that's something I really applaud. I, I don't have a problem with someone saying, hey, I can do something better. Or I'm going to take a swing at it. Uh, but it doesn't mean that it's really going to stick. And it doesn't mean that that's going to be successful. But with open source, you never know. People may pick it up and prove it and it may surpass someday. So it's something definitely for Databricks to look out for. And you, and then it's also something for the community to try out and see if they that it makes sense for them. Do you know that... Um... One of Three Mice's first fans is the primary person driving uh, Jupiter at Netflix. Do you remember his name? No, I don't. He won our coffee. He won our coffee. No, I didn't realize that. Who is it? It's Kai Kelly. Kai Kelly's nice. Name. Yeah, so I think we we had we had that started up for a while, and uh, you know we both decided that it would be better to keep it at bay. <laughs> But, you know, uh, <laughs> Data Robot uh, and Raj, that's the next interview, is, um, you know, something I really appreciated his passion as well. And he gets up and talks in front of people in Chicago all the time. Uh, there's an ML meetup there. Sure. And he knows common friends of mine like uh, Garrett Smith and other folks. So they're, uh, and I appreciate it when he talks. He's got a lot of passion too. And what was your thoughts on Data Robot and, and Raj there? Well, Raj didn't really get into Data Robot particularly, and he was very clear that he didn't want to turn it into an advertisement, which we appreciate for our future guests to note. Um, Raj was another one of those uh, guests where um, I'd said we should probably have an entire series with him. Though, if we did, the one question I would have or a clarification I'd want to make is the uh, Nature article that he critiqued and gotten a lot of attention on Reddit. So what I realize now, or I suspect is Rajiv Shah, who's mentioned in the article is actually somebody who's eponymous with our guest Raj, but it wasn't our Raj was mentioned in the article itself. 
So that that's the funny little tidbit. I believe Rajiv Shah mentioned in the article was some C-level leader hired by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. And within the first week of hire, the Haiti earthquake happened. And, and then, of course, Raj made his comments where um, he really poked holes in some of the conclusions. Of yeah, the and we need people to do that. And our last or most recent guest also speaks about the challenges of the corporation that she dealt with for many, many years and, you know, mobile phoning. And real quick, we only have a few moments left, but Andrea Bryce was our last guest. And I thought that was a refreshing because of the challenges that she's had and the time she's had delivering very early on analytics to a giant, giant, huge, quickly moving telecom industry that's, um, you know, until recently, it's just kind of been the most techy group of all. Well, there's a ton of investment back then. There was a lot of players. There was a lot of competition. Um, I mean, AT&T really came out of a Seattle startup by, started by Craig McCaw, and his name is all over the ballet um, performance theater and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, so we're out of time. We're uh, out of time, Tom. Uh, uh, Tom, we're out of time, Don. So just real quick, uh, how do you, how okay. do you, I could be Tom. I could be Tom. Could I be Tom? Maybe I could. Be. How do you, so real quick summarize, how do you think it's going so far and where do you think this is leading us? We've gotten really interesting guests. My goal is to improve my own skills, like cutting out. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I have high goals. Um, I'll never maybe get there, but um, working on this together with you, I think about some of my friends who are in broadcasting or in um, public te television, like uh, one of my friends from college days uh, runs Frontline, for example, or I, I had the pleasure of spending an hour with Bob Costas once when I was working at Barney's while going to Columbia. Um, I think we'll continue to work on this, improve, and I hope our, our audience will give us that space to improve and keep coming back. Yeah. And I believe they will. Thank you, Don, for doing this with me. I, there's no one in this world I'd rather do it with. You're a great friend and this is, gives us an opportunity every week to spend some time working on something fun together. So thank you, Don, for your contribution. That, that, that's my favorite part. That's my favorite <laughs> yeah. Part. <laughs> yeah, me too. All right. Uh, thanks, Don.